Thanks for listening to the Swearing In Podcast, where you'll hear the origin stories of those who chose to serve. So ground your gear, take a seat, and listen up. The Swearing In Podcast starts right now. Listen up. I am Marty Smith, and this is the Swearing In Podcast. My guest today is Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Owen Freeland. He attended high school in Biloxi, Mississippi, and joined the Air Force in 1997 as a Precision Measurement Equipment Laboratory, or PMEL, airman. His first assignment was to Mountain Home Air Force Base, Idaho, in 1998. In 2000, he cross-trained to communications, got married, went to tech school at Keesler Air Force Base, Mississippi, and was then assigned to Peterson Air Force Base, Colorado. In 2003, he put a package in for Officer Candidate School and was commissioned as a 33 Sierra Communications Officer. After attending OCS at Maxwell Air Force Base, Alabama, and basic comm officer training back at Keesler, he was assigned to Offutt Air Force Base, Nebraska. In 2008, he was deployed to Al-Udeed, and was promoted to captain after his return. He was next assigned to USF sent at Shaw Air Force Base, South Carolina, and in 2012, he deployed to Afghanistan for a year. After returning in 2013, he was assigned to Fort Meade, Maryland. There, he was promoted to major and was selected to attend Command and General Staff College at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas in 2016. In 2017, he was selected to command a cyber detachment at Fort Meade. After command, he was assigned to Cybercom staff. He was promoted to Lieutenant Colonel in 2019 and was assigned to U.S. Spacecom at Peterson Space Force Base in 2022. Lieutenant Colonel Freeland is set to retire in 2024. Now this concludes your pre-brief, so let's get on with the interview. Today I'm joined by Lieutenant Colonel Owen Freeland. Sir, thanks for, uh, it, and usually it's like retired, but this one's uh, not quite retired yet, right? Not not quite, not yet. Soon though, <laughs> soon. <laughs> so next year, next year you're going to retire? Yeah, official date of retirement's on 1 May of of, uh, of next year, but uh, you know, with terminal and everything else, it's, it's getting pretty close to the end, and uh, then I got to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. Um, and... Uh, how did this whole journey start, sir? What were you doing before you came into the military? Oh, wow. So um, I'm a military brat. I grew up in the yeah. in the military. Um, been what did your, dad, with, what did your dad do, I assume? So my dad was Air Force. Uh, my grandfather was Air Force. And uh, I always knew that I wanted to go into military. I've always just something about airplanes. I always wanted to fly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, wanted to wanted to go to the Air Force Academy. You know that yeah. you go to an air show, you see the Thunderbirds, and oh yeah, and uh, yeah. I'm hooked, right? And so aviation and jet fuel is in my blood. Um, <laughs> but uh, and so all through high school, I was yeah, I tried Boy Scouts, and yeah, okay, that was kind of boring. Um, well, I should have said I should have started off with uh, I know you're a military brat. Where'd you go to high school at? Um, so I went to high school in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. Oh wow. 
So no well, kidding. you know, it's it's I've got family there. It's not where I was born. I was yeah. you know, like any other military brat is where you're from is where you choose to be from because you've lived yeah. so many places. Right. Um, so I came claim of Biloxi as home and uh that's where dad retired and uh, went oh, back wow. home with my mom's family and um kind of spent six years in going to you know high school, junior high, whatever. Um and uh, and kind of started from there, but uh Boy Scouts didn't really do it for me. Yeah. Um, so I joined civil air patrol. Oh, nice. You don't hear that very much anymore. Yeah. It was cause I got to, you know, work on radio, you know, talk on the radios and I got to fly and I got to work air shows and I was just hooked. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I was, I enjoyed the heck out of it. You know, met some really great friends, still friends to this day. Yeah. Um, and you know, in, in the friends in high school, I was, I was one of those kids that, you know, everybody else was going to the beach on the weekends and, I was hopping a, a military airlift flight to go to work a major disaster exercise. Oh, wow. And no so kidding. Flying on C-141s, and, you know, I've got pictures of me and sitting next to a T-38 and in the cockpit of a T-37. Never got to fly in them, but um, I was always in Columbia. I, yeah. I, oh, no. Richard, you really? Wow. Yeah, I was, in an, I was at a summer camp, and uh, the space shuttle happened to land in Columbus, Mississippi for an overnight, and right outside of our facility. And, and so I got to spend the night looking at the space shuttle. So it was wow, like, that's pretty cool. Blast. What, uh, um, uh, before we go any further, what, uh, what did your dad do in the air force? So my dad was, uh, an electronics, uh, calibration and repair. So PM, oh, cool. email, yeah. if you're familiar with that or TMDE. Sure. Sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was, you know, he's kind of an electronics nerd. So I grew up Dad on the ham radio and end up getting my ham license to kind of no kidding CQ yeah. CQ CQ right yeah yeah and I just uh, <laughs> I've been a ham since I was sixteen still am oh uh, no kidding that's great so yeah no it was it was a phenomenal experience and then you know I decided you know it came time to apply I applied to the Air Force Academy and that was you know early early nineties so we had a drawdown after the Cold War. Yes, we did. And uh, they said, well, you wear glasses, so you can't uh, you can't yes. fly. And right, right. I kind of just burst my balloon. And um, <laughs> so I applied for whatever I could, West Point, um, all oh, the service okay. academies. Okay. And uh, the Army you had the, you had the grades? You had the sporting background and all that stuff? I had the, I had the background. We'll just say that uh, I, I, I wanted to be a pilot, but I didn't focus my studies on being a pilot. Oh, was, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it was it was aspirational, I guess. <laughs> I have a kind of a love hate with the Air Force Academy, and and I kind of get into that a little bit later, I guess. Okay, but, okay. Um, I did <clears throat> Army. Army gave me a three year Army Advanced Designee Scholarship, uh, so I had to pay for the first year, and then my scholarship kicked in, and the the other three years, um, the Army would pay for, it, and then I would commission as a second lieutenant of the Army. Oh, did you say it was it uh, R? You said ROTC. Correct. <laughs> that's pretty cool that's great actually it, you know dad being a career force guy he's like turn him down just enlist oh. <laughs> and i'm like no dad i'm I'm gonna go be an army officer i'm gonna you yeah. don't know what you're talking about like we yeah, were talking yeah. about earlier you know, at, at that age uh mom and dad weren't the brightest and i was the rock star and knew everything and they knew nothing well you knew the world as it is they knew the right. old world yeah, they, they had the real world view. I just had a myopic view. Absolutely. <laughs> right. And they still get tickled about that. And so um, I, I'd come home on the weekends and it was who of this and who of that. My oh, dad yeah? said, so he would, he would, uh, he would have great fun with that. You know, I had the high and tight. It was a Marine Corps hers, horseshoe. I was nice. I was gung ho through and through and yeah, I yeah. just drank the Kool-Aid, man. It was, 
Um, but uh, we'll just say I studied the wrong subjects in college. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, uh, fraternity parties and sorority girls weren't necessarily on the curriculum. Didn't really help the grades that much. It's it's hard to make it out of those uh, first couple of years in college. Oh, it is. And, you know, and, you know, I was going to school in South Alabama, Mobile, Alabama. And uh, so I was close to home. Yeah. And uh, it, I just wasn't focused on my studies. It's great school, great program, computer science programs, fantastic. Right. Um, but again, I knew everything. Professors knew nothing. Mom and dad knew nothing. I was going to take the world by storm and I wasn't going to have to work to get there. Um, <laughs> so when that when that realization hit that uh, uh, the three year scholarship piece wasn't going to work. When the army kicked me out for my grades. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I said, yeah, thanks. Uh, but uh, you're done. You've lost your ride. Uh, you have two choices. You can pay us back or you can enlist. And, you know, I called mom and dad and I said, you know, what am I going to do? And dad was like, pay him back. <laughs> Don't enlist in the army. <laughs> I said, all right, dad. And so for the next uh, year and a half, I mean, I was buried in credit card debt. I owed the army a bunch of money. Yeah, I could fit everything I owned in the back of an old rusted out Ford Mustang, right. four cylinders, nothing even cool. Right. Um, and for the next year and a half, I, I was a ramp supervisor for Delta Airlines. So I bounced all over the country. Oh, geez. Um, just for new contracts that we would open up and, yeah. and just doing that. And, and so it worked six, seven days a week, 12, 14 hour days, no days off, no medical benefits, no nothing. A lot of and, nights, uh, a lot of nights, huh? Yeah. And it was, it was kind of like, so I get done, I get, I get all my bills paid off and oh, uh, Hurricane Fran, I was in North Carolina, Hurricane Fran hit uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And, uh, wow. What year was that? Oh, good Lord. That was 96, I guess. Okay. Um, here I am 22 years old and the, the ramp supervisor that, uh, that owned, owned the kind of the thing was, um, he and I did, had a disagreement. It was a uh, very, very vocal, um, because he's, he wasn't a leader, right? He was, uh, he was playing games while we were killing ourselves with no power in the airport and we're running a full schedule trying to get through this hurricane. And it was just, it was a really difficult day. And at the end of the day, he said, you know, I almost fired you today. Oh, it was oh, that oh. moment that I said, I'm done with this. Yeah. And yeah. I went to the recruiter the next day and I said, sign me up. He goes, well, you got to watch a video first. And I said, okay. <laughs> So I watched the video. I said, okay, I'll sign the contract now. And, uh, and that's how my Air Force journey started. I was, uh, wait, when you went to the recruiter, um, was it the Army recruiter or Air Force recruiter? Air Force. Oh, it was. Okay. All right. And, uh, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, it's time to adult. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. this isn't how I'm going to be able to start a family and take care of a family. And it's not a career. It's a job for a young man. And, I want, I want more. And, and that was, and that was 96 when you walked in the, the office? Yeah, sure was. Did Nothing. he put you in right away? Did you go delayed enlistment or? So I went to the delayed enlistment program, um, went to MEPS and they said, okay, so what do you want to do? And I said, P-mail to kind of follow dad. Yeah. And uh, I said, well, we don't have any of those jobs. I said, great. Put me on the delayed enlistment program because I'm not going to do anything smart. else. God, you rarely hear that smart guy who goes into the recruiter you know no i wasn't that smart i called dad first <laughs> well that's but you were smart enough to call him so you know yeah we've had a we've had enough i mean you've run in enough people to just take what yeah. they give them and that's the open general the yeah. <laughs> no yeah. you're not gonna make me right um love love my security forces brothers and sisters but uh, uh i wasn't gonna play that uh let the recruiter play those games with me yeah, and, yeah. um 
you know, they came to me that afternoon, you know, after I went through all the physical stuff and said, well, we've got a job opening up uh, after 4.30. Uh, it's PML. There's, there's one slot and there's two of you that's applied and we've looked at your scores. You know what PML's about. Uh, very high washout rate, very, uh, very difficult school. Uh, a year of electronics at Keesler, my hometown. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and they gave it to me, and that's that's how this journey started. Twenty seven. Wow. <laughs> what uh, what what month did you go out to uh, basic then? Uh, so I went to basic in April of ninety seven. April ninety seven, and then uh, any any issues with basic? Was it? I mean, you were no, older. Man. You were older at this point, right? Yeah, I was. I was the old man at twenty two years old. In yeah. Basic training. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I grew up in the Air Force. I knew, I knew a lot about the Air Force. And, you know, of course, certainly my, my folks uh, coached me quite a bit through this. And I ended up, uh, you know, I guess the, the TIs uh, are pretty good at picking out people who understand the Air Force system. And Civil Air Patrol prepared me for all of the, yeah. the Air Force history because of the, the close relationship that Civil Air Patrol has with the Air Force. Sure. And uh, so they picked me to be the latrine queen. <laughs> so uh the TIs have uh an interesting way, at least back then. I don't know how it is now, but they had an interesting way of uh of coaching out the leadership amongst their basic training. But the uh my TI was incredible. Uh she oh, was yeah? staff sergeant and her name was uh Chen, Staff Sergeant Chen, and she uh -huh. was the first woman on the ground at Desert Storm. Mm. Uh, it was Persco. Wow. And uh, she had some amazing stories talking about her experience. And it, that always resonated with me. And, you know, later in, in my career, certainly as an officer, I reached out to her and I said, thank you. That's, that's pretty neat. Yeah. That's pretty. And that's, that probably made her day. I would imagine it would, that you came full circle back and told her thanks. I mean, then, then it's kind of like, oh, I guess I did do it right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was it was right after I took command that I sent her a note. <laughs> oh wow, that's that's wonderful. <laughs> you know, she invested a lot of herself, and then I think all TIs do that, right? Yeah, the good ones. Um, you you maybe don't realize it at the time, but how much our and I think that's true for any of the services as I've worked with all the services over the years. Um, when you're on the trail, if you're in the army, or if you're uh, TI or a drill sergeant or whatever, they do that for a reason. And it's not to bully. Um, it's not to haze. It's not to do anything else. They are so passionate and so committed to the service, to making sure that we bring in um, the talent that is trained, that has the right sight picture. And, uh, you know, certainly with my, my soldiers over the years, they've talked to me about when they were at uh, Fort Leonard Wood uh, and they were training their, their MPs. Um, and those MPs came in to working for them when they went back to to their company or their battalion or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, it's very cool how how the stories, the services, and the name tapes are different, but the passion is still the same. Sure, I, it, it's interesting. An Air Force guy using sight pictures, so I, I appreciate that. I picked up. Yeah, um, we'll just say uh, that I've got an interesting uh, <laughs> perspective on service. I'm more purple than I am anything else. I just guess so. Yeah, yeah, you are multi-service. So. Um, you get a rope? Were you a rope or anything like that? No, well, yeah. So when I was at Keesler going through tech school, so female tech school is a year long. Okay. So you electronics principles and what we, back then we called it sets, right? So you do the electronic principles and you go into the actual, your career field. Yeah. And uh, I, I ended up being a rope um, <laughs> largely because um, I got sick of the, the, you know, the young kids that were trying to, you know, 
prop themselves up. Oh, and, they got and a little on power. Yeah, yeah. All I right. didn't care, so I figured, well, if I if I become a rope and I, in the Air Force, a green rope is kind of the basic rope, and then you go all the way up to red rope or whatever. Um, if I do that, then I can I can keep the uh, keep the other ropes in line and keep them from oh. from messing with everybody that was in my my bay. And so I end up doing that. Um, a, a good friend of mine, we went through tech school today. He was a red rope. He, uh, he just retired not long ago. He, um, he got picked up for an air force Academy, uh, enlisted slot right out of tech school. Uh, he ended up going on to fly B twos. He's a, a captain for uh, United airlines now. Oh, wow. And, uh, so he, uh, he's a good dude, but that's, we were all ropes together and we had a great yeah. time drill team. We did all that stuff together. That's so cool. it was awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And it was my hometown. So yeah, I, uh, I would, when I got tired of the crap, I called my buddies up that were senior airmen. They'd come check me out. And, uh, you know, this in the air force, right. A senior airman walks in, into a, into a, a barracks and a text in a training base. And yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's big, big money there. So he could get, we, we got away with murder and, uh, nobody was to the wiser. <laughs> well, and maybe you got away with a little bit more because you were older and you understood how to get away with a little bit more. You, you got to learn how to play the game. And dad gave me that <laughs> advice before I came in. He goes, you know, the system has been there long before you will be there long after you would be wise to learn how to work within it and not yeah, bucket like, like he did. That's pretty good. So, um, so 96, you go in as a year. So, I mean, I'm sorry, 97. So right. you get out of tech school in 98. Yeah. When did you know what your first assignment was going to be? Um, Probably three quarters of the way through tech school is when the assignment drops. And, ah, that's a long tech school. Ended up in Mountain Home, Idaho. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, which was, you know, phenomenal base, um, great mission. Back then it was the Air Force. We only had... Um, we called them 911 wings. They were the first of the air expeditionary wing constructs. So you have Seymour oh, okay. Johnson and Mountain yeah. Home. Yeah. We were a composite wing. So I'm a female guy. I ended up uh, was working microwave stuff and uh, ended up starting to get, as I said early on, I've got an affinity for jets and yeah. uh, jet fuel. And <laughs> um, and I got to start working on the, the we called it Type 4 equipment. So all the radar test sets and weapon test sets and emergency power test sets for the engine. So I got to go to the flight line and the ammo dump and it was great. Um, but we'd run an exercise. It was, you have B1s and B2s and F-117s. And wow. We, I mean, you're like, I'm in, I'm in, yeah, this is, this is where I want to be. And it's Idaho. So I could got to go skiing and whitewater rafting and hunting and yeah. it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So that's also how, where I met my wife. Really? Was she, military too she... yeah my wife uh retired about five years ago but i met you know we talk about chow halls or i guess now we call them defects but oh, yeah. i met my wife in the chow hall <laughs> wow how did that come about uh it's just you know hanging out and you find people that are cool to hang out with and have lunch with and she was a chaplain's assistant and i was maintenance and um she wasn't the uh she was kind of awkward like a me i guess <laughs> and uh, we ended up being friends for a while, and I was dating somebody else. She was dating somebody else, and uh, one day we just kind of ended up getting a no getting kidding. Dating and, what you know, rank was what rank was she when you met her? Uh, she was an A one C, and oh, so was okay. I. All right, all right. Uh, yeah. Mountain Home's not wasn't that big. It's still not that big, no, right? still not that big. But it no. was it's smaller now, I think, because it's not a composite wing anymore. But yeah, um, yeah. very tight knit community, um, and yeah. it was you know, kind of an entrance into the air force. It was a family. 
you know, as an older guy, I'm out hunting and shooting with my supervisors and, oh, yeah. um, you know, I'm not drinking in the dorms, right. I'd already parted myself out of a scholarship and I knew what, what, you know, goofing off too much was going to cost me. So I started college and, uh, you know, it was an old retired chief that was telling war stories about the cold war and, um, <laughs> standing watch on a, on a, you know, alert aircraft with nukes on it. And I'm just hooked. Right. And, yeah, yeah. um, it was, uh, it was kind of there that I, I had some amazing, amazing guys that were, that really took me under their wing and just kind of beat me about the head and shoulders and, you know, won some great awards, but I missed out on below the zone for some political reasons that had nothing to do with me. And it's always something. Yeah. For that, for no, stuff I, like that. I wouldn't trade it for the world, honestly, Marty. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I oh, I was going to say you got there. So we're going for uh, 98. What'd you right. do three years there or did you do four? Yeah, it was right at three years. Um, okay. And uh, at that point, the Air Force was deciding that, <laughs> hey, we're going to contract out one contract worldwide, all female labs. Oh, wow. And uh, so the career field was going to die. It was going to go away. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, crap. Uh, and then the Air Force decided, well, that's probably a bad idea. Um, <laughs> we're going to we're going to break the, the globe up into, into regions and we're going to keep a couple bases per region as active duty because we have this whole contingency and deployment thing we have to support. Okay. And um, so I start. I saw the writing on the wall. It's like, wait a sec, you're leaving both Koreas open. So oh. if I do a 20 year career, um, I'm looking at four five, six tours to Korea. Yeah, I don't think so. And uh, the original plan was I'm going to do four years, get a bunch of experience at PMO. Then I'm going to go to Saudi uh, as a contractor and work. For oh, four. there you go. Get that and then tax- I'm going to retire permanently at 35 years old. That's right. Get that tax-free money over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah set yourself up. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, I ended up getting engaged to my wife and she was on a six-year hitch and I was on a four and I'm like, well, I'm not going to be a dependent. That ain't going to work. Hell yeah. And so I re-upped, um, decided to cross-train into computers, be a computer operator. And uh, I was probably the only guy in the history uh, of that kind of, we call it a careers program where you, at the end of your first hitch, you can cross train. Okay. And, uh, I was going to go calm. So great. I got approved for that. And then they said, well, you're not coming back to mountain home. I said, well, that's, that's kind of bullshit. I'm, yeah. I want to stay here. My wife's here, you know, my fiance's here. I'm going to stay here. I went to the comm squadron commander and begged her <laughs> to, to call someone, yeah. <laughs> someone that cared, yeah. um, to keep me at mountain home. And she said, I'd love to, nobody wants to stay here. Um, but they're going to command level you and you're going to go to Colorado Springs, Colorado at okay. US, uh, Air Force Space Command. Oh, yeah. I guess you could have got married right away and then forced a dual or a spouse thing, I guess, if you wanted to. Right. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and uh, our chaplains were PCSing. So, you know, it's all kind of we had expedite our wedding. We dated for about six or seven months and then uh, <laughs> we. Uh, we got married real quick. We paid for the wedding ourselves. Uh, we don't, neither one of us come from, from any kind of money. So we did the whole wedding for know, about $2,000. What year did you get married? 2000. Okay. Wow. Right. In so, before. What year did you uh, re-enlist? Uh, I was 2000. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I mean, you, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you get married to try to do the joint spouse? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. She wouldn't have been able to come with me to Colorado because we weren't married. Right. Right. And uh, so we never got to do a honeymoon. Um, of course. Yeah. Uh, my my mom worked at the Beau Rivage in Biloxi and 
so we kind of got a, she came down, my wife came down with me and uh, the tech school that I was going through was very gracious and accommodating. So I'd go to school for a couple hours and then I'd go spend time with my wife. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah. Got the, the, the hotel was phenomenal. That Biloxi is, there's a lot of businesses that really do support uh, the military. And I'm so thankful for that. So uh, they comped you, us a room. So you re-upped as comp, right? Right. And your tech school is back in Mississippi? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, you'll see that, a theme here. Don't want that part lost or anything. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Keesler, every time I got homesick, I, I ended up going TDY or or whatever to Keesler. So I got free leave. <laughs> <laughs> Go home, see my family. Um, and so, yeah, we ended up in Colorado Springs and uh, I, I try to figure out how to be a computer operator now. And, um, and it turns out that that was just being here was been an amazing assignment. Yeah. Um, finished my college degree, went to Airman Leadership School. So you, uh, you, you came, uh, Springs, but you're a Pete, right? You're a Peterson. Right. I was a Peterson. Okay. And then, uh, then nine 11 happened. I was going uh, to ask you where you were for that. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was on duty. Um, we went into the telephone operator's room cause that was the only place in the squadron that had a television and we're like, Oh yeah. Oh crap. You saw the first tower. Like what kind of idiot runs into an, a building with a, you know, whatever kind of jet. Yeah. Yeah. And then we saw the second one hit and then, you know, things kind of ballooned from there. And like, I think any of us would say that day changed everything for us. Sure. For, you know, the remainder of our careers in my case, um, and we went into Delta, we closed the doors to the mountain. Right. Um, we kicked all the contractors off base and, you know, for Com at, at, at Peterson at that time, and I think it still is, it was all contracted. So um, like, well, we have no system administrator privileges. We really can't do anything. Yeah. Uh, and I get a phone call to go up to the four stars office to fix his computer. I'm like, uh, this isn't going to go well. I've never <laughs> seen a general officer at that point. <laughs> oh yeah. And he had, oh, geez. Was he, well, North, I, was he Northcom or? No, it was Air Force Base Command. Uh, oh, Space Command. General Everhart. Okay. okay. And uh, hell, when I was maintenance, we had two officers in the squadron of 400. I get to Peterson, and there's 15 lieutenants. So you can't walk around the hall without uh, bumping into an officer. And I, that, for a maintainer, a career maintainer, that was that was a little foreign. It took some time to get used to that. But right. lieutenants right. were amazing, um, and uh, had had a crusty NCO who was a maintainer who had. Uh, they had to spend some time with me correcting uh, perhaps my language and my approach to things <laughs> as calm and not maintenance. So they, they were um, great. Yeah. Okay. So you get the, I mean, it's, it's still kind of freaky when you go home and talk to the wife, right? Uh, you didn't get restricted to base or anything like that. When, oh yeah. Uh, we were, we were 12. Well, she was at that point, she's active duty too. So she, we were both in the same boat, no kids. So mm-hmm. we're working crazy hours. Um, she ended up deploying and I had to stay home. My, uh, I had orders to go work with, uh, special operations and that ended up not being a real tasker. And so they sent my wife to, um, to Oman, Jordan. And as we were for, uh, like an ILO tasking or doing what her AF is an ILO. Okay. All right. Um, at that point she's a chaplain's assistant, uh, or paralegal. No, she was paralegal at that point and she'd cross trained as well. And, um, so they sent my wife to war. I'm at home. <laughs> the only thing I had was my dogs and uh, just absolutely going insane. Right. Yeah. Just trying to wrap my brain around. They sent my wife to war and, and I've got to be at home. Yeah. Keeping yeah. the home front. One. And, and it was, 
awesome. It was difficult. There was moments there where they went into calm blackout. So I couldn't talk to my wife for months at a time. Um, come to find out that there was, uh, people over there that were hitting on my wife. Cause you know what deployed, what's, what goes on deployed stays deployed and my wife's not uh, that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so that that's not going well with me either. Uh, we'd only been married a couple of years at that point, and so you were really bouncing off the walls. Oh, I was a head case. Yeah, <laughs> but goodness. you know, my troop, his wife was in the same boat, so we were golfing a lot, and then oh, uh, okay, um, going to college, you know, at night at Colorado Christian, and uh, met my best friend there. Oh, nice. And uh, he almost cost me a divorce. He said, "Hey, you should get a you get you should get a motorcycle. It's great." And, uh, ended up buying a motorcycle. Didn't tell my wife, um, that didn't go well with her as you might imagine. Yeah. Um, and she, uh, but <laughs> that was buying that bike kind of opened up new things and new relationships that I didn't know. And we started doing a, um, Wednesday day, Wednesday night ride down to downtown Colorado Springs at an Irish pub. We were riding triumph motorcycles, to British bikes. Nice. Nice. And uh, that was our thing. It was what we looked forward to. And and so what wife got home, I asked forgiveness a lot. Still I am all these years later. <laughs> How long uh, was she, their deployment? Uh, six months. Okay. Not so, not too bad, but still. No, but it was the base that we were launching B1s out of that, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, bobbing, bombing everything that looked like Saddam Hussein was getting a, a bomb from a B1. Right. Right. And, uh, but that's where, you know, one night, you know, I'd finished my degree or just about to finish my degree. And, and that's when I ran across some crazy major who was riding a Harley or whatever Ron was riding at that point. He <laughs> said, you should apply for OTS. Like, yeah, you know, officers kind of suck. I, I really don't <laughs> like officers. Uh, I'm, I'm an NCO. Um, you know, I'm, I'm up for tech sergeant at that point. Yeah. And uh, E6. And um, I'm like, nah. I'm good. No, no, you should do it. You should do it. Well, Ron was a flyer. Yeah. You see the theme here, right? Going back yeah. to jet fuel in the blood. Yeah. Yeah. And filled my head full of hope that I might could fly. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Terrible. Ron Ron was a Ron Ron should have been a recruiter. <laughs> no kidding. He's good. He's very but good. But I didn't know him. I just met him at the at the at the little pub and, and he starts filling my head full of this stuff. And um he looks me up and he starts just absolutely pounding me every week. He was on me, put your package in yet, put your package. Oh, in. I didn't know this guy. I'm like, this, this crazy fool wants me to fine. just, just to shut him up. And yeah, my yeah. troops are like, Hey, you know, you complain a lot about officers. Why don't you go become one and teach them oh. the officer corps, how to take care of enlisted. And I had okay. some, some run-ins and, um, with some lieutenants that didn't know how to take care of enlisted troops. Right. And right. Uh, had a chief that was in the squadron that was amazing. Oh, um, Ralph was, um, he he held the lieutenants to to a standard. Did he? <laughs> you didn't want to cross this chief. He was an old school chief. Okay. All right. And, um, you know, and, and so I, I put the package in. was successful. I got picked up. When did you so put it in? I, what year was that snow? This is uh, 2003. Well, and so, you know, as I'm, as I'm getting picked up to go to fly, right, I got picked up to be a navigator. I'm like, sweet. My favorite airplane of all time is the F-15 Strike Eagle. I oh. love that plane. Um, have never been in the cockpit on be able to go fly. Oh. Um, <laughs> but I still love that plane. And that's what I want to go do. I want to be a, a Rio or a, a weapons officer in the back seat of that jet because I couldn't fly it. 
but I can be in it or be one. Well, that's uh, a, if you can't be Maverick, you're going to be goose, right? That's right. That's the way to go. So in my case, probably a duck. But anyway, the Air Force Academy, right? The Air Force Academy, I get all all the way through my flying class one. I'm good. And I get to the hearing test. Wait, we jumped way too far, sir. So you just put your package in and what year? It was uh, the first time. uh, Oh, (laughs) we didn't even talk about that part. So I'm special that way. It's short bus special. Um, (laughs) In the sense that uh, I got picked up to be a navigator. Ron's pushing me. He's calling the Pentagon trying to find out board results and I get selected, right? Sweet. I'm going to go be an officer. I'm going to go be a uh, air crew. I'm going to fly in the F-15. All is good. What year was that? This is uh, 03. Okay. 03. So finished the degree, uh, all is good. Did uh, did well on the uh, APOQT, the Air Force Officer Qualification Test. Yeah. Um, and you know the the education counselor she told me she goes now. This one, this gets interesting. Never give up, ever. Oh, oh um, she told me that I was the most difficult package that had she had ever submitted that got it picked up. Those what? are her. Okay. What, what was her reasoning behind that then? Well, so I'd been in a, remember I talked about, I was, I'd flunked out of college. So I had like a 2.2 GPA. I was in a prior commissioning program and I got dropped. So there's two waivers. Um, I had a couple of entanglements with law enforcement uh, as a teenager and as a, uh, as a 20 year old college student. Okay. Um, so I needed a moral waiver. Um, and then, uh, so I had, I don't know, four or five, six waivers. It was crazy. And, uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, and in my statement that, that I sit to the board was like, I came into the air force broken, broke, um, and an absolute screw up. The air force gave me purpose. Wow. It gave me focus. Um, it brought, uh, a path, you know, we can talk about distance and direction. Uh, the air force gave me all of those things and, uh, or helped me, realize what my distance and direction was. Wow. And uh, so then I get to the Air Force Academy to do the hearing test and I failed it. Oh, no. Um, And they medically disqualified me. Um, I have uh, what's called asymmetrical hearing. So my hearing, my left ear is worse than my right. And if I was already an officer, it's waiverable by the Surgeon General of the Air Force. But because I was in a pre-commissioning program, there's no waivers. Wow. Did you know Thanks. this condition prior? Say again. Did you know of this condition prior? Um, I knew that I had uh, tinnitus and hearing loss, right? Okay. But yeah. I had no idea that um, that was going to disqualify me from flying. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in, in fairness to the Air Force, right? They're concerned about you're going to be on a flight line more. You're going to, you know, more hearing loss because you're going to be around louder, loud aircraft. Absolutely understand that. And um, we'll just say I was a little bitter at that moment. Um, yeah, I was on a, I got picked up on a flying board and uh, what, 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 what's the time frame here? Um, so this is all going on in 2003, early 2003. So what they came and said, uh, that they wanted to medical board you because you're hearing. No, not medical board me. They medically disqualified me. So you. Oh, so I'm sorry. Sorry. I got. You gotta have a flying class one physical, flight physical. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot. On I forgot the <laughs> dreaded flight physical. That's right. Yeah, I, as I talk to air crew friends that are air crew, 
um, yeah, they all have a great appreciation and respect for the flight physical. <laughs> well, and, and here was the screwed up part for, for 10 years as a one Charlie six space operator. Yeah. They required you to have a flight physical. And yeah. I was like, all right, I understand the colorblindness, but all right. the other stuff, <laughs> you know, well, so. the irony, if you, if you think back when I applied to the air force Academy, they told me I couldn't fly because my eyes, well, us enlisted guys, they finally opened up PRK LASIK. They did. That's right. And so the Air Force Academy fixed my eyes and then told me I couldn't fly because of my hair. So like I said, it's a love-hate with the Academy. It's a phenomenal school. It just, the Air Force Academy was not in the cards for me. <laughs> right, right. A lot of friends have gone through the Academy and have done extremely well. Uh, love it dearly. All the service academies, but um, the Air Force Academy in particular, is, there's a history there. And so um, <laughs> I reapplied, got picked up, uh, got picked up to be a comm officer. Okay. I wanted to be a maintenance officer, but uh, they picked me up to be a commo. Um, did you that's what I mean. Did you reapply that same year or did, did you wait to, okay. All right. So they, they, at that point they were, they had a lot of boards and um, it was a, it was a 2003, 2004 timeline. So the air force is really assessing a lot of officers and, you know, ROTC and the air force Academy are kind of fixed in the amount of people they can uh, right. assess. Yeah. So OTS becomes that buffer. OCS for the Army, the Marine Corps, Navy, and whatnot. Well, that was a great time. I mean, well, uh, I don't mean, I mean to say it was a great time, but for the military, that's yeah. when the military is all ramping up and they can't get enough, right? right. So half my class at OTS, uh, uh, more than half my class at OTS were NCOs or enlisted, right? Yeah, good, good. Um, so then I go off to Maxwell. And, okay. uh, and that was, OTS was interesting. Yeah, there was an NCO going in there. Um, I was in in class. I had guys that were special operations. They were TAC P's, J TACs. Yeah. Um, there was there was guys that were on Roberts Ridge when that happened. Wow. Um, wow. The PJs that were killed. Um, their supervisor was in my class. Jeez. Um, but it was interesting because you get to the OTS and and the OTS instructors, the cadre there, right? These are first lieutenants or captains, so they're pretty young. Um, one in particular, he was going back to army um <laughs> everything was who who this and who this guy's captain I'm like, this when i was in the army oh, oh yeah it, it, this was that guy right yeah right and um it was who 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 and i'm laughing and I'm like, i got the opportunity late in training and i said hey so how long were you in the army <laughs> talk about be true to yourself he'd done one year army rotc oh, oh. and i'm like okay i see how this is that's enough to wear on your sleeve for everybody who's not done one year. You know, uh, and I mean, he disqualified himself. And I mean, and, yeah, yeah. But you saw people trying to pretend, not pretending, but to embellish perhaps something that they are. Yeah. And uh, so I go back to the videos acting up again. Here we go. Uh, I go back to um, always be true to yourself. Another yeah. tenet, right? Um, the words please and thank you is the reason that I've been successful in my career. Mm -hmm. uh, both enlisted and an officer and then be true to yourself. Right? Yeah. And so many people so nice. have officer enlisted, all the services have, have really hammered that point home. Um, so anyway, I, I ended up uh, doing well at OTS. Um, it was cool. Cause Ron, the guy that pushed me, this crazy major um, flew down to commission me in the air force. And that's that picture. And that's that picture. Nice. Um, my dad had been retired at that point for, I don't know, 25, 30 years, uh, oh. 20 years. My dad got back in his service dress. It was my first salute. 
Oh wow, wow! Right. So, all right, great. I'm a I'm a second lieutenant, which means jack and nothing. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. But you gotta uh, you gotta start that journey, right? I well, when I was enlisted, I tortured many a second lieutenant. Excuse me. <laughs> That's what I could do. Um, force them to salute you. Uh, you spread apart. So instead oh, of yeah. one salute, they just, you know, you know standard second lieutenant games. Right, right. And uh, so it was now is my turn. And uh, first duty station's off at Nebraska. And in oh, uh, Omaha, that was, I wanted to go back to Colorado, but they wouldn't let you go back to the same area that you commissioned from. What was your uh, um, AFSC then? I was a 33 Sierra comm officer, communications okay. officer. Okay. And uh, I what, was your, what was your assignment at Offit? Do you remember? I was in the 55th comm squadron. Okay. Originally, it was uh, to go to be in the mobile command and control squadron, 755th mobile command and control squadron, which was doing a um, nuclear command and control mission. It was oh, awesome assignment. When I was at OTS, yeah. I met some some great cadre, um, one of which uh, is now a Fulbright colonel. Um, and it, I'll talk about him, uh, Joe, in a minute. But um, so I get to, uh, you know, I'd gone through the cadre. I found the ones that were kind of tools. Uh, but I found the ones that were Mustang officers that were, um, that, you know, there's the, there's the game and then there's the, okay, these guys are captains. Some of these guys are really experienced captains. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you get right before you graduate, um, at OTS, you know, you get to go talk to them, guys that were in your career field and you kind of get the, all right, what, what do I need to be thinking about as I go into this first assignment? Consequently, real quick story there being an NCO, um, we had a dining out. Uh, our spouses got to come and everything else. And then yeah. spouses went back to the hotels and we go back to the, to the barracks and we, uh, it was a true dining house. So we had a grog bowl and yeah, we, we partook a lot <laughs> and might've been a, a little on the tipsy side, but it was prank time for the cadre. And, uh, we filled up their cube farm. So it was a, you know, it was fishbowl and we filled it up with, I don't know, four or 5,000 balloons. Oh, nice. And not into their offices. Cause there's PII and, and all that other crap. Yeah, in there. sure, sure. And some of those cadre, remember, some of these captains and lieutenants were, uh, well, I'll just say they focused on the wrong thing and they couldn't handle the prank and they were wanting to, to really come after us. And my, my, uh, field, field training instructor, she was like, yeah, you guys are stupid. And they had a great time. They, they thought it was funnier than all get out. <laughs> so I, um, get through with that and, uh, get to Omaha and I, I ended up going to, uh, basic comm officer training in route back at Keesler. Oh, jeez. There's a theme here. Um, had a great time, you know, brought some of my classmates home to be, to meet my, uh, meet my folks, have dinner at the house, right? We're all lieutenants. We're all officers. Yeah. Uh, one of the guys, he was my lower class at OTS. We get to Omaha. We're second lieutenants together. We're in BCOP together. Um, Nate ended up being a friend for many years um, and did, did incredibly well. Re- recently retired. He was a, I think he was a tech sergeant when he commissioned, but he was on track to be a Fulbright colonel and just said, for family reasons, um, it's time. Oh, okay. And so he punched out. And he's, uh, I've kind of lost track of him. I think he's still in San Antonio somewhere. But, uh, you know, get through with comm officer training and, and get to Omaha. And there's there's like 13 or 14 of us lieutenants. There's a mafia. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, sure. Oh, yeah. And we had a great time. Where um, did, uh, where was your wife at um, while you were doing the, uh, your comm school and all that. Uh, she stayed here in, uh, in Colorado. And then, uh, once I commissioned, we, we PCS into Omaha. Okay. All right. Um, was, was, Sac- her- 
Was Sack still around then? Or is... uh, no, Sack had been Sack was gone. Okay. Was but still, got the Sack attitude. I'm sure. But, oh, very much so, because <laughs> we had a you had the NC three mission. We were part of the 55th Com Group, so there was a um, the MCCS, which was doing the tactical MC uh, NC three. Yeah, you had the traditional base Com, which is what I was, and then you had the kind of strategic Com that was support Strat Com, okay. and that was the. Uh, Oh, for the life of me, it's, it's strategic comp squadron, 55th strategic comp squadron. Okay. And um, so I'm a, I'm a lieutenant at Offit. I get there and I'm sitting in the, they didn't know what to do with all those lieutenants. So I get stuck in the commander's action group for the group commander. Oh. And uh, I'll never forget this guy. It was a guy from Air Combat Command that calls and says, I'm sitting at the desk practicing. All right, 55th comp group, Lieutenant Freeland. And I'm, I'm doing this multiple times. Sure enough, that phone rang and it was 55th Com Quadrant Sergeant. I mean, uh, Lieutenant Freeland. It was ACC. Oh, no. And the guy goes, well, which is it, Lieutenant? <laughs> I said, it's Lieutenant now. And he goes, you might want to work on that. I said, yeah, thanks. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that kind of set the tone for Omaha. But, oh, um, you know, right into that assignment, you know, a couple, couple of months into it, they put me in charge of the personal wireless comm system. So all the bricks and the ground to air transmits oh, yeah, that's right. and all that stuff. And they said, oh, here, here you go. It's the most broke unit in the wing. Um, if, if this uh, office fails, the wing fails, it's uh, IG inspection. You got four months to fix it. Good luck. And, uh, and you probably got the biggest hand receipt or the biggest line number of line items that you got to go account for. Oh God. Yes. I mean, there was, I don't know, like 600 bricks and I don't know. Oh, you know, half of them are broken yeah, and the yeah. two civil service guys in there that, you know, they were kind of disenfranchised and they didn't have any real motivation to work. They were, uh, it was in the whole MEO thing and they were like GS fours or whatever. And, and so they were, they weren't real happy and they ended up leaving um, and quitting. So here I am with nobody in the office. It's the second largest, the first largest spectrum um, environment uh, with number of frequency allocations because of the NAOC and the Takamo and, Stratcom and all the other PL1 assets there. And here's the second lieutenant. It's never done wireless comms before. At best, I'm a ham radio operator, and that's all I know. <laughs> and uh, four months to fix this, and I'm like, I just got it set up to fail, and this is not good for the first job. Yeah, it's sure kind of sounding that way. Yeah. But I had, you know, phenomenal leadership at the squadron and group level, and uh, found a tech sergeant that had done that work before. I'm like, hey, you're going to have to take me to class because I'm kind of dumb. Yeah. And uh, he was a telephone maintenance guy, but he had cross-trained over and from uh, PWIX. And, um, you know, we ended up doing great. And, and I, it was just, it's just a team, right? It was such yeah, an amazing yeah, team. Right. Um, we ended up doing a lot of great things in that, in that office and um, got some great civilians hired that, I mean, one of them, I think he just retired out of, he was a base spectrum manager, uh, won oh, all okay. kinds of awards. And, uh, you know, just being a part of these guys, this mission for a couple, couple of years, yeah. Um, and then kind of tracking what's happened because you kind of personal invested relationship and um, at that point. And so huh. they've gone on to do wonderful things. Um, but I've got pictures that I was in the, um, the cops were uh, sending all their patrol cars downtown to get them wired. I'm like, why are you doing that? That's dumb. Um, we could do that right here in the, in the shop. I bought the tools and hired the right people. And so we started doing all the cop radios. And oh, one of my nice. civilians snapped a picture of me in the, in the trunk of a cop car installing an antenna as a second lieutenant. 
<laughs> and then she sent that to the wing commander. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks, Sue. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, she was awesome, right? And and so from there, I ended up being a deputy flight commander, uh, working for a guy whose call sign was Thor. He was a Mustang officer as well. Oh, jeez. And yeah, we, you know, keep in mind, I stole the wing commander's car from the club because, oh. well, he knew what we were doing. We're like, sir, I need your keys. Secondly, <laughs> this first lieutenant at that point is like, I need your keys. Yeah, they're in the car. What are you going to do? Don't worry about it, sir. I'll take care of it. <laughs> oh. So oh. first, some first Friday, and um, we ended up installing a, because he was trying to talk to the aircraft, the RJs, and okay. was having a lot of comm problems. And we had the radio. We just couldn't ever get the oh, car install the damn radio so i stole his car and i get a phone call Shit. at that time the call sign was father freeland he's like hey i need my car back so here we have the wind command wind commander captured in our little you know bay his execs have no idea where he is oh, they're geez. freaking out <laughs> and he's over there having a good old time because it's just the you know the captain and myself and we were Tell him, here's how you work the radio, sir. Here's how yeah. this, here's this, and this, and this. And he's just having a great time. His name is Jim, uh, Jim, uh, James Jones, Jim Jones. Huh. Uh, later in up, I think, making two stars and, and whatever. Phenomenal wow. wing commander. Yeah. So I take over as a, as a deputy flight commander working for Thor. And he's a Mustang. I'm a Mustang. And um, it was fun. We were maintenance, right? So uh, you put the two of us characters in give you kind of an example of what this looked like, right? Um, wing safety was coming around doing a, a safety inspection of the maintenance flight. Okay. All right. You know how that goes, right? They're coming yes. down, make sure Air Force occupational safety and you know, all, right. all that stuff that safety right. folks do is important, right? But like, hey, let's have some fun with them. <laughs> yeah. There I was. Um, <laughs> Thor is is um, mixed martial arts instructor. He Oh, you know, at a bar before he commissioned, right? So we go over to his gym. He was teaching on base and whatever else. Well, he had all the, the hitting sticks and whatever else. Yeah. One of them was about a four foot uh, baton that they use in Japan, but it was made out of fiberglass and it was padded and everything else. Oh, okay. And it was like kind of a hitting thing. And so we decide we're going to have some fun with wing safety. So they're sitting out our outside the office and he starts yelling at me. He's cursing up a storm. We can't afraid to get in here. So we do the standard thing. Proceeding, sir. Yeah, yeah. Come in, give him a reporting statement, the whole nine yards. And he, he's berating me and telling me I'm incompetent. I'm an idiot and whatever else. And and he says, assume the position. So I've been <laughs> over. Oh, yeah. Held my arm out. He takes a stick and just whacks the crap out of me with it. And it's made out of fiberglass and it's, it's shreds, right? And so it yeah, sounds yeah. really loud. Yeah, I smarted a little bit. And I said, well, that'd be all, sir. So I get out of my office. So proceeding, sir, to, you know, I go back to my desk and start working again. And wing safety is outside the office and their, their job is on the floor. They had no idea what to do. And our squatter safety is looking like those two idiots are at it again. Oh no. <laughs> and we start laughing at that point, but we had a reputation throughout the whole base. And, and, you know, that's kind of the way we ran that maintenance flight was we were out there with a chainsaw or whatever, a, cut saw cutting ILS or uh, nav nav aids off the runway could replace them because that was part of our flight yeah and running excavators and just I mean had a ball you know uh, I, as I look back to my career anybody who enjoys their job oh yeah gets that reputation you know I mean they're 
Uh, and people say, oh, those guys are screwing around or those guys are, yeah. uh, they're always playing pranks or something, but, but you do it because you enjoy being there. So it, that much is obvious and it must've been for you guys too. Well, and it was for the crews, right? We had, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, we had tech control or outside plant guys. We were digging holes. We got them a trencher uh, to start saving us money. And, uh, you know, it was $90,000 or something like that at a point. And uh, we got them the equipment that they needed. Um, huh. Our telephone maintenance guys, you know, got them the stuff that they needed. And when they were working the weekends, we were right there with them. Yeah, that um, makes a difference, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and Thor taught me a lot, right? And once a month, or I'm sorry, once a quarter, he and I and the chief would get together and we would cook the guys breakfast, the crew's breakfast. Oh, wow. Wow. Out of our pocket. Right. And we would serve them. Yeah. Uh, and it was a way of, of putting things into perspective. And it's something that's, that I've held true to my, my, the entirety of my officer career was, uh, I still have a uniform with stripes on it so that I never lost yeah. that perspective of why I crossed over into the O side. Um, but the squadron commander at the time, um, still a good friend, great mentor. It'd be one of my retiring officers, um, oh, nice. Carrie Amburn. Uh, there was three of us that he called his lieutenants and he still calls us that today. One of us, one of them just retired. He's Lieutenant Colonel. I'm retiring. He's like Colonel. And then the other one, she's a, uh, she's a rock star amongst us. She's uh she just made 06, oh, not take nice. over group command, wow. but Carrie, when Carrie turned 40, um, it was the three of us lieutenants, uh, our shirt, um, uh, and a couple others. And we, uh, there's a balloon theme here. We filled his office full of balloons. Oh no! Again. And drank all his beer that was in his fridge, and put the put the empty bottles back in his fridge. Uh huh. Because um, back then, yeah, that was we could do those things. And right, right. Carrie was from the flying community, so he he had a phenomenal sense of humor. Um, but then we emptied the shredder machine into key balloons, so it weren't just. Oh air. no! Oh yeah! Wow! And. Um, Carrie came in the next morning. He kept, you know, all us giggling buffoons were outside his office. Like, I gotta see the colonel's face. Gotta see his face. And um, he took it as was as intended. Yeah. And uh, that kind of set the path for many years of mentorship with Carrie. Um, That's great. Yeah. And uh, who took who's taken phenomenal care of us. But uh, it all of that set a tone about you know play your position on the team. Yeah. When you're in charge. Be in charge. When you're in support, be in support. Never lose track of that you're playing a position and it's not about you. That's true. Yeah. Very good. You know, that assignment is also where I picked up the call sign sheetrock and, and Carrie's the one that gave it to me. Um, sheetrock. Yeah. That's I, I I've earned it. It wasn't chosen. And um, I tried to get rid of it over the years and I, it kept coming back and I finally went through a naming ceremony when I was back in uh, <laughs> cyber ops. And once you go through a naming ceremony, you own it, you might as yeah. well embrace it because you will never ever get rid of it. What's the story behind that nickname? So there I was. I normally it cost you a beer, right? But you know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of hard to do on this format. But um, Thor, my my captain, uh, I called him up and said, hey, I'm finishing my basement. I need some help with this drywall. And went up and picked up, uh, I don't know, 12, 14 sheets of drywall. Now, keep in mind at this point, the new Hemi Dodges had just come out. And um, I'm driving a Dodge diesel that had been slightly modified. I have okay. an affinity for horsepower. No, oh. goes back to jet fuel, and yeah, I like fast <laughs> things. Right? And um, and so Thor and I have been talking trash. I mean, about whose truck was faster, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is Omaha in the fall, so it's raining. I got all this drywall. I had it tarped, and he'd helped me, and he's following me in his truck. And uh, 
we're running down the highway. I forget the name of it now. And um, the tarp starts coming off. So we pull over and get the tarp situated. And now at this point, I've got 700 pounds of sand in the bed of the truck because winter's coming, right? And you need to yeah. work back into these trucks. This is where it starts. I told him, I said, wouldn't it? I'll bet you I can still do a burnout with 700 pounds of weight, and like 20 something sheets of drywall. Yeah, you see where this is going. Yeah. Sure. And, um, and so I put it in stupid mode. I had a tuner on this truck and it's diesel, right? And sure enough, now it's it's dumb because the roads are wet. So it's not really proven anything, but I didn't care. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I start just doing a massive, epic burnout and I'm just having a great time. Well, the tailgate was down on the truck. <laughs> and so here's however many sheets, 20 sheets of drywall come out of the back of my truck, land in the middle of the highway. Uh, Thor almost wrecks his brand new truck because he's laughing so hard. He's like, you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> shut up and help me load this. Let's go. He goes, wouldn't it be funny if somebody from the squadron comes by? And here comes our deputy squadron commander. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, um, he's, he's a phenomenal human being, right? But he's, he's you know, a lot of us calm guys are um, <laughs> a little dorky. And he gets out of his three series BMW with a fedora and these Birkenstock sandals. And hey guys, you need some help. And by that, by that point, Thor's about to, to pee himself because he's laughing so hard. And <laughs> like, no, nah, we're good, we're good. Get it all back. Now, all that sheeted, all that drywall, all that epic journey to get it to my house. Yeah. Not one sheet was broken. Uh, whoa. Not even a dented corner. Nothing. How was, in the heck did that happen? It's Dang. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> I was just about to ask you if it, any of it was salvaged. No. And now it was, it had road scars. <laughs> That's <laughs> nuts. I could patch that. Yeah. yeah and um, so Thor's laughing. Well, in the squadron at that point, uh, Carrie had instituted, uh, Colonel Amburn had instituted a um, broken phone award. And during his commander's call, you got to nominate somebody who did something stupid. Right, right. I remember those days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so we're in this commander's call and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get this thing. And so, you know, he's like, who's got nominations? And people start raising their hand. I'm like, oh, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Huh? <laughs> I'm like, sweet. Thor kept his mouth shut. Outstanding. Oh. He goes, those are all pretty good, but I got a story for you. Oh, he told the story. No, Thor ratted me out to the squadron commander. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I get the broken phone award and, and the, you know, kind of moved on, but um, and in my time there, I did a deployment to Al-Yabid, uh, Camp Cupcake, I called it. Cause yeah, it was, yeah. I've, I've been there myself. So yeah, you went into Iraq for a while and, uh, you know, doing some things and working at Ali and Talil air bases and Balad and what uh, year was that you went over there? Oh, uh, eight. Okay. Oh, that's almost surge time, right? Oh Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's it's how you did. It's, yeah. it's hotter than blazes, 130 degrees. I'd never been on a deployment before. And well, I met a, met a couple of really awesome teammates. Uh, the light Colonel um, just put on light Colonel uh, Mustang. Um, he's the one that we're trouncing all over Iraq together and um, trying to stay out of trouble. And um, so, uh, but we worked for a, for a Fulbright Colonel, Fulbright Colonel, um, Dave Yurick. Um, and, uh, he went on to become the ACCA six as one star. Um, and, uh, I tried, I almost had him convinced, you know, he'd 
we had an outages with some of the RPAs and he told me to go figure out why we had all these uh, issues and um, got that figured out. And then, but we had lost the air picture. So we had to, the Navy had to move the uh, carrier strike group closer in so that they could provide the air picture for it for the chaos until we got it resolved. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I'm trying to figure out how the Navy's going to do that. Right. I have no idea because I have no background in the Navy. Yeah. And uh, so I go talk to the Navy guys in the chaos. I'm like, Hey, I need to understand more about this. I'm like, well, why don't you just go out to the carrier? I'm like, that's a great idea. What? And uh, wow. so I had them set it up. I was going to go out on the cod and, and spend a week out at the carrier, you know, at war at sea. Oh, and uh, Dave Yurick said, no, that's a boondoggle. You're not going. Oh, okay. And you, you talk about let the air out of your lungs, but uh, <laughs> I was like, you know, how else am I going to understand how the Navy is going to do this? And you're going to ask questions and I have no idea. Uh, I want to go to sea and and work with the Navy and understand. Yeah. And uh, he, he never let that happen. And I still hold it against him. He, I don't think he remembers it, but I do. <laughs> Were you a lieutenant or a captain by then? Um, I was the first lieutenant. Okay. Uh, I came back and, and pinned captain at Offit. And then. Uh, what year? What's that? What year did you come back and pin captain? It was, it was 08. It was just a little four oh, months. Okay. Okay. It was back when we were only doing four months for most of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I badmouth the uh, U.S. absent enough, I guess. Um, and it got up. And <laughs> so the, I got orders back to uh, U.S. absent at Shaw Air Force Base in South Carolina oh, God. and uh, went on staff in the network operations and security center and, and really learned a lot from, you know, some phenomenal um, civilians yeah. and contractors and it was an amazing assignment the enlisted guys there were fantastic um got to run information assurance for centcom uh so all doing all the intrusion detection systems for all of centcom's networks at the tier one level very uh, cool yeah very cool. yeah i mean as a captain brand new captain right no kidding and my peers across the force were army lieutenant colonels and whatever else and yeah yeah the army has uh, especially infantry lieutenant colonels have a way of trying to mentor uh young company grade officer particularly air force um and, you know, at that point, I don't know, I had a number <laughs> of years in, but um, I did that for for four years or three years and then uh, had a weapons school slot. It was going to be the second class in the cyber weapons course. Um, okay. I'd gone through undergraduate network warfare training. I was on track to be an offensive cyber guy. Um, that's what I really wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, got, got picked up for that. You know, you get sponsored into that and uh, had some great friends that hooked me up. And so... Great. Been picked up for weapons school, just waiting for the paperwork to catch up. I'm going to weapons school. I'm going to be a weapons officer. And uh, four days later, my buddy calls me and goes, um, do you volunteer for Afghanistan? I'm like, hell no, I'm going to weapons school. He goes, yeah, no, you're not. You're going to go to Afghanistan and you're going to go for a year. And you're going to go on a jet tasking, ILO tasking. You're going to be a combat advisor to Afghan police. Like, what? Oh, yeah. Wow. And I'm like, you want to talk about deflate, you know, you get yourself pumped up and you're, you, you think you're on a certain trajectory and sure. um, things happen. And that's wow. what happened to me. That is truly out of the blue. Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> oh, and um, so I, you know, off to Fort Polk for four or five months of training and um, head out to Afghanistan. My, at that time we had two kids. My youngest was, um, he was about a year and a half old. Okay. Um, you know, my first deployment, my, my one child at that point, she was two years old. So we had to do eight months and let her you know, execute a family care plan because my wife deployed at the same time. Oh no! And I fast forward a couple of years. Now I'm going for a year. 
Um, yeah, my yeah. wife is still enlisted. She's still on staff at, at Shaw and we got to figure this out. And so for basically a year and a half, I was gone, um, in combat, you know, playing, playing army. Um, I had the most amazing soldiers out of Fort Bragg that were my MPs, my set four, um, nice. still in touch with them to this day. Um, I'm convinced that I'm, I'm here because they were, they did their job well. Um, halfway through the deployment, um, our MPs went back to Fort Bragg and we picked up a bunch of national guard guys from Texas and California and Illinois. And yeah. those guys were true professionals. Uh, all of them MPs, uh, a lot of them were, you know, police departments. So they were SWAT teams. Wow. So these yeah. guys were, they were on point. That's um, cool. And so spent, you know, a year playing, playing army in, in Afghanistan. What year was that? That was uh, 12 to 13. Oh, jeez. And so come home, you know, you see things. And I think all of us that have deployed have stories like that. And um, sure. I don't think any, you, you come back different. You come back um, with a different appreciation of what it means, means to be an American. Mm. What it means to have the things that we have. Yeah. And thankful. And I mean, I, I had some amazing interpreters. Um, later on, we were able to get all of them out. So they're in the U S uh, oh, thank God. one of them is going to be at my retirement, which means the world to me. So was this, a, was this a recent thing that you were able to get them out or was it back then you were able to get it them was, um, some of them got out not long after we went into mission. Um, okay. uh, one of them, we got him out right as, uh, right as we were turning over, uh, Afghanistan to the, yeah, yeah. to the government. Okay. And, um, so you know, I get back from Afghanistan. I'm uh, different. Took some time. The Air Force um, didn't. There was only about two or three hundred of us that did that kind of tasking. Yeah. Um, that weren't air air advisors. We were ground combat type, doing whatever on uh, MIT teams. And uh, I was a security. I was an SFAT. Oh, okay. Security Forces okay. Advisor and Assist Team. Yeah. And uh, learned a lot about the Army. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I get back to Shaw, you know, the Air Force had just said that you're you're moving. Um, they gave us orders to uh, Fort Meade, Maryland. My wife is at Andrews. I went to Fort Meade oh, and right. I got picked up for major. Uh, nice. And um, and then they said, hey, congratulations, you're a school select. OK, cool. Whoa. So that we don't do that that way anymore, where you have a separate promotion board or a, a separate board for schools yeah. or wherever you're doing you know, school selection right off your promotion board. Um, it's just different now. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I got a couple of weeks with my wife and then she had to report to Andrews and I had about oh. two more months uh, in South Carolina. So not ideal, you know, that we didn't really get a chance to do reintegration and try to learn how to be a family again. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like, after you know, kind of a high five. Especially after that deployment, did, did you go to one place in Afghanistan, or did, um, you, did you bounce around all over? The I place? was kind of all over the place. We were home home based out of uh, Herat, which is right. in the west. Yeah, but yeah. we went uh, our we were the trainers, and we would hand off as our Afghan sure. counterparts were deploying. We'd hand them off to the Marine Corps uh, down in Helmand, and uh, so met a met some great Marines. Um, <laughs> still in contact with them to this day. Wow, that's great. Um, just, just phenomenal work with the Marine Corps. And, uh, you know, but I spent time in the Southwest and in, in the West. Yeah, so it's tough. Um, yeah. So the, I mean, yeah. So needless to say, you didn't get your Disneyland yellow ribbon trip with the family. 
after no. you came back from your deployment. <laughs> yeah. And the Air Force didn't do um, my reintegration, you know, after being in combat for a year and seeing and doing the things that we did. Um, I got to watch a three hour PowerPoint show and that was my reintegration. Oh, and, you know, it's just because we didn't understand, you know, the Air Force as a, as a institution didn't really understand um, that was a unique mission set. And we weren't really prepared as a service to, to reintegrate those people. Right. Um, and it was also when I got back home, you know, the, the unit, there was nobody at the airport for me. Um, no pomp and circumstances. I showed back up to sign back into my unit, turn my weapons in and they're like, Oh, you're back. And that was how it was treated. Isn't that and, maddening to know that we've gone through decades and decades and decades of war yeah. and that to those little details, still don't change that much you know it's still the same issues that we're having today uh not as grand as it used to be but still we should have ironed all those out uh, i think it's very situational it's unit dependent right it is it is um, right, right because and, i've been a the part air of forces unit. yeah the air force's philosophy instead of deploying whole units right uh you know that aef concept is tough right. to keep track of and that's i've always kind of cursed that but um, well we're a learning institution right and and we go through ebbs and flows and um, I think it's really back down to the individual unit leaders right, right. Um, to understand. Um, and I was, you know, I was on a ninth air force staff, USF staff. So deploying was pretty common, but I was the only one that I'm aware of that ever did something like that. Yeah, sure. And, sure. you know, I put together a briefing cause I wanted all young conversation. I'm, I'm over there playing army tactical comm guy. I'm a convoy commander. I'm a truck commander. I'm a, you know, G2 advisor, I'm a G6 advisor. I mean, you, you just do whatever it is. And I think we yeah. can all, anybody that's deployed can understand that you do the mission. You, what, what you need, what you see needs get done, get it done, whether it's your job or your career or not, get it done. Right. And you learn a lot from that. And you know, the, my soldiers taught me so much. Um, and I had a conversation with them like, Hey, uh, I shoot a lot. I, I love shooting and hunting yeah. and whatever else, but I am not a soldier. I am not trained in this. You tell me where to point, what to engage, and that's what I'm going to do. And they're like, "No problem." <laughs> <laughs> and they did, and it was it, it worked out beautifully because it was goes back to playing your position on the team. Yeah, you know, we're taking fire and, and engaging. Um, thankfully, that was uh, not in in my wheelhouse, but uh, we had that conversation. Like, you know, the sergeant first class when the mass sergeant takes over, and there's yeah, leave that rank crap at the door. Um, oh yeah. You're another, yeah, you're another shooter, another marksman. Uh, engage what I tell you to engage and copy all. Sure. But learn a lot about army comms and, and what army goes through. Um, you know, I, as I said, I get, I get home, I go to Fort Meade and they're like, Hey, you're going to school. I'm like, but I don't know where, um, join the, um, cyber national mission force, which is very fledgling. Then I'm an offensive cyber guy working yeah. for an army, um, an army one star, uh, yeah. Yeah. George Franz. And then, uh, George swapped out. He's, he's been long retired. General Franz was amazing. And uh, started working for a guy named Paul, Paul Nakasone. And uh, he's now currently about to retire. A phenomenal leader. Taught me a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, kind of helped me. When, when you when you screwed up with him, it was, and he's, he's kind of, you know, revectoring you, as uh, as oh, we yeah. say. Yeah. Um, yeah. You felt like you disappointed dad. And uh, <laughs> he pushed me hard. Uh, and my team hard and all of us team leaders hard because we were joint force. Um, 
he taught me words matter. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. And uh, if you say um, right now, you better mean right now. Cause it, it, you know, sometimes we use it flippantly, yeah. but yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I ended up working at, uh, at Fort Meade for about nine years in various roles. Team nine leader. years. Wow. Was there nine years. Cool. Um, minus a year of that. Cause they sent me to school with the army at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas <laughs> for commanding general staff. CGSC. Yeah. How did, how did you manage nine years without would you do some PCAs in there to stay there? Yeah. Oh yeah. I so oh, okay. Okay. I did, uh, three plus years or so as a team lead standing up a new mission set and oh, learning how yeah, yeah. all of that work doing defensive cyber ops and offensive cyber ops and whatever you made some really cool work you were uh, promoted to major there i would assume i was i was a major select for two and a half years two and a half years it just well, never came was, up. <laughs> uh, um that was the point where we decided to cancel the 2005 promotion board and so oh, all of us that had line numbers, they just stretched out the promotion cycle. It was a cost-saving measure. Oh. And so peers of mine that were two months ahead of me in commissioning yeah. are now eight months, nine months ahead of me in time and grade. And, uh, you know, for the for the folks after me, you know, I've got a friend that was in that year group and they kind of got hosed. Um, so all my peers are, you know, 04s, 05s. And I, here I am as an 03 promotable. Yeah. But – I'm not, I'm still an 03, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, finally put on major. They sent me off to command general staff college. Great year of my life. The um, the 77 of us that were there as the Air Force element were, were really tight. And then working with my Army teammates, we were about eh, about eight or nine years older than our Army teammates. Yeah, sure. Um, but learned so much and, res- and have so much more respect for how and why the Army does things the way they do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I wanted to go to CGSC because I wanted the planner background. I didn't have yeah. the planner background. Um, what year was that that you went? That was uh, 16 to 17. Okay. Nice. Got got picked up for command uh, out of that. Go back to Fort Meade in a, in a small detachment, you know, on G-series orders. And for In the comm world, you know, there's only a few of us detachments. We were the size of a squadron, but we were detachments. Yeah. yeah. You know, all the same authorities that a squadron commander has. Um, but not the staff <laughs> and, um, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm working at a, a one of our, our, our premier, uh, cyber wing, uh, the 67 cyber wing, uh, working for some great leaders there. They were in San Antonio at Fort Meade. How, uh, how new was that wing when you were there? I mean, cause that's, cyber hasn't, have they really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought, uh, that was a fairly new development over the last decade or so. Um, yeah, within the last decade or so, but the units that are part of that wing and it's, it's sister, sister wing, the 680A cyber wing, okay. they've been around a while. It's just, you know, we play the shell game. What's old is new. What's new is old. Ah, I got you. Um, I got you. and so it's just a reorganization. And of course now they're all, um, all under the, uh, 16th air force, you know, so that's the ISR side, the Intel yeah. side and the cyber side, which is awesome. Um, but you know, being in command, we were doing advanced capability development, doing some really cool stuff. My airmen. Um, we're just crushing it. I mean, just, and we were doing it for the air force's benefit, working with some great mission partners. Yeah. And, uh, it was so cool. Cause you know, I'm not mission anymore. Right. And so I don't get to sit and do the cool stuff. I'm making sure that they're taken care of. And I loved it. I just, the officers, the enlisted, um, my, my lone civilian was a retired chief. And oh. so, you know, one moment he's my tech advisor and the next moment he's my chief. That's great. And yeah, uh, yeah. he taught me so much about leadership. Uh, he's still around up there 
Um, and, uh, love, love, love me some Greg, um, <laughs> still, still in touch with him on occasion today, but then I go right into CyberCom staff. Um, you know, I take over, I go to JPME two at Norfolk, then more army, more Navy, yeah, um, yeah. spent a lot of time learning about from surface warfare officers, senior guys that are going into major command. Wow. Uh, I think one or two of them is a flag officer now. Um, so clearly I'm not the performer they were. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we had a chief master sergeant, uh, space force chief, uh, T2. Um, and, uh, she's doing wonderful things in the space force now. Um, come out of that, going back in as I ended up standing up a division at Cybercom J5, um, Jeez. doing few force design concept development, got to build some really cool toys, um, that are in use today in, in various, uh, various mission sets. Um, just an awesome experience working for some amazing, uh, Navy flag officers and, and senior civilians. And then, uh, went through That's a, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, how I mean, much inner service, oh, um, yeah. interaction that you had, you know, well, being on a combatant command staff, you have to learn the other cultures. I had a, right. An IS2, uh, sailor, fresh off carrier E5, right. She's salty. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't understand Navy culture. I understand army structures and, and army culture because I've done a lot of time with the army. Yeah. And um, my IS2 said, hey, you're going to have to take me to class. I'm the dumb kid here. And so she would explain the Navy culture and she'd been on a carrier. So she's explaining how the carrier, you know, the ship staff um, versus the air wing. And, you know, I toured oh, the yeah. Gerald R. Ford in, in a couple of times and um, <laughs> it had uh, so she would take me to class, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and was able to work with, you know, across the joint staff and with other combatant commands. It was awesome. And But it, it, it came to a time where I had to make a decision. My wife had retired by that point. You know, I've got uh, got four kids. Um, you know, when I went to CGSC, my my youngest was six weeks old, and I went geobatch. Oh, jeez. And, uh, you know, I only got to see my daughter for three, three times in a year yeah. or four times in a year, only for a couple of days at a time, but that's military life, right? You know, sure. that's a possibility. You sign up for that. It doesn't mean you have to like it, but you're, you're prepared for that. That's why we have family care plans. That's why we have yeah. the, the many military family members that, you know, are part of our inner structure and our civilian neighbors and, and just cover down on you. And, you know, why I was in, um, CGSC, my wife went through a really hard time. It was tough on yeah. her. Uh, yeah. And um, there was a, a neighbor, his kids are, had been grown and gone or, you know, were just about out of the house and he he missed that. So they would go over to my neighbor's house while my wife went to Andrews with our with our baby, my older two kids. And Pat would go shopping for him. He he loved talking to my kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, at breakfast time, he would make a breakfast, even though they'd already eaten, he would make more breakfast. And <laughs> he loved that time. And, and my neighbors in Maryland were absolutely the best. And I think that's why I stayed there as long as I did. Cause I had for the first time had neighbors that were phenomenal. Yeah. They covered down on us and all of our antics and our crazy dogs. And, you know, all the, you know, I'm a Clark Griswold. So I decorate my house uh, with the dancing light shows. Cause I'm a nerd and <laughs> um, the neighbors loved it and, and whatever, but they, they really took care of us. Um, that's a rare thing. It's it really thing, is, you know. but it, it goes back to the family and, and the central theme to all of this for me was, um, 
I don't believe that any service member is successful in their career without an entire army oh, yeah. of people supporting them in various ways. If it's on duty, then it's, it's your crews and your team that's, that's backstopping you and really providing you that, that expertise and same you do the same for them. Yeah. You're bringing young service members to your house during the holidays and checking in on them. Um, I love that. The, the army calls it a family readiness group. We have the airmen, a family readiness center on the air force side. Um, I don't remember what the Marine Corps and the Navy call it. Um, but we have all these organizations out there that, uh, really cover down and they really did take care of us. Yeah. Um, and we did our best to take care of them. You know, I was at JPME too. Unfortunately, Pat passed away. The the guy was feed my kids breakfast. Oh, uh, geez. Uh, wow. How old was he? Was he a retired guy? Was he old? Guy? Um, no, Pat was probably maybe late fifties. So he wasn't old. Um, I, mean, I guess by my standards today, when I was twenty, he was he was a geezer. But you know, now <laughs> at that point. Um, but he talked about in his eulogy how special it was to have that time with my kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's anyway. So yeah, it was it was kind of just an amazing experience. And uh Oof. It hit me in the feels. <laughs> well, it's it's um it's always remarkable how much you know part of the military thing is go, 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 right? You know, you gotta adapt. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta you gotta play the field that you're on and you gotta go here, you gotta go there while your wife and family yeah. uh, may have to go someplace else. And you're at such a you're at such a speed that when something like that happens. Uh, that's when that, I would imagine that's when that big perspective comes in and you go, sure. Whoa, wait a minute. Uh, I, I don't mean to speed by all these things, but I have to because of the career. Um, uh, but there, there's got that, that's got to take a toll on you after, after a period of time, not only the individual loss, but there's, there's gotta be some kind of reflection where you go, Oh, you know, not seeing the kids, uh, always yeah. go, 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 uh, good friend of yours passes. Um, and that's when you start. I don't know it would for me. Did it do that for you? Did it start going, maybe I should start slowing this down or. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that, that was kind of that realization that, you know, what, where are your priorities? Um, you know, there's an old adage about, and you, we've all heard the stories. I think every service member has heard them in some degree where you come home from a deployment and you come back to your house and there's no furniture, no lights on, he or she is gone. Um, cause they've had enough. And, you know, when you, when you think about it from that perspective, okay. That, what did you sign up for? You know? And, and I always said, when do I get my life back? And, and I've chosen to, to serve as long as I have. And, and you, you, you're in a relationship with your service and that's true. That's a good way to, you know, and on this side, you know, we, we've got a contract and every four or six years, whatever your length is, you have, that's your opportunity to reevaluate your relationship with the service. And if your priorities and the services priorities are still in, in, uh, in sync. Right. Yeah. And as an officer, you don't have that, you don't have a contract. Right. Um, right. And so 
you know, as I got to thinking, as I'm progressing on, I'm, I'm well north of 20 at this point, um, kind of thinking about how far do I want to take this? And, you know, my wife's retired, but, you know, she, she'd had her issues and medical issues and stuff. And, sure. um, you know, I see the toll is taken on my family and, you know, I, I know that Colonel, my 06 board's coming up on me, um, in a, in a few years. And I'm like, I need to really, really start thinking about this hard. Um, and where we want to settle down and, and how far this journey wants to go. And, you know, I already came in older commissioned older. So, yeah, um, yeah. I got to really think about this hard. And uh, I think when Pat passed that kind of set it in stone, I mean, he, his kids were grown, but he never, he's never going to get to see his daughter walk down the aisle, yeah, sure. um, or graduate college or his son, you know, get married. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, Pat was a healthy guy, just cancer got him. Right. Yeah. And, but it, it just kind of put things in perspective for me that you don't know how much time you have on this earth. And, if you focused all your time in, in, in uniform, that's what defines you. You've lost sight of what's really important. Uh, you were a civilian before you came in and you will be a civilian again. That's right. And so where do you find value? Where do you find importance? Um, some guys can do 30, 40 years and their family understands that. And, and that's great for them. That's their journey. Uh, mine looks like I'm done at 27. And so as we started to think about that, right. And, um, all the time, the years that between my wife and I, we'd spent away from our family and the kids in the family and the, and the boss lady was like, Hey, keep going. We know you love what you're doing, dad. And I'm like, thank you. But I know what 06 life looks like. And oh, yeah. it's, uh, it's time that I take myself out of the running for that. And I made some decisions to do that. Huh. And, you know, my kids are, are amazing. My wife being a vet, right. We can have that conversation. And she understands she has that perspective. My kids don't, they didn't sign up for this life. They, they were born into it just like I was. And so we started thinking about, you know, what's next. Um, and kind of started thinking, all right, it's time. Where do we want to settle? I'm not going back to Mississippi. My wife's from Washington <laughs> state. I'm not, I'm not going there, not moving to California. We started discounting places for a lot of reasons why, where we weren't going to live. Yeah. yeah. We, we saw about Colorado. And, uh, so we bought some property here, decided to come back and, uh, you know, Hey, that piece of dirt. And that's what I tell people now is like, what does your in-state look like? Where's your flagpole? What is, what is, where's victory lane? Yeah. How, whatever analogy you want to use. And I needed that ground that was belonged to us. That was not tied to the military. We owned it. And whether we built on that property or not, um, whatever, right. Yeah. That was our dirt and we could sell it. We could do whatever. And then we started really thinking about it as PCS is coming up and, and like, I'm, and I'm ready to leave DC. It's not my thing. Um, some people enjoy it. I don't, not my thing. I'm a, I'm a yeah. out West guy, I like the mountains yeah. and the country roads and um, no traffic or tumbleweeds and antelope or traffic for me now. And then I enjoy <laughs> it deeply, <laughs> but it's, that's what our end state looks like. And so the air force uh, is coming up say, it's time for you to PCS. I'm like, great, get me the heck out of here. I'm done with DC. Um, amazing friends there from scouts and from the from the military and from- Especially after a decade of being there. Too, yeah, so. you get entrenched, right? And yeah. there's positives and there's negatives to that. Right. You know, we went through COVID there uh, and all the things that, have, is, that we're still paying the price for now, all of us. Yeah. Um, and so I told the Air Force, I said, here's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the driver's seat now. I don't have- 
anything holding me in the Air Force. My end state looks like Colorado Springs. I'm going back to Colorado Springs in the summer of uh, 22. I would prefer to do that in uniform. That meets my end goals. If that makes sense for you and for the best needs oh, of the Air okay. Force, great PCS me. Let's go. Yeah. If that doesn't, let me know and I'll, I will retire tomorrow. And uh, my assignment team, friends on the assignment team are fantastic. They said, we can make that happen for you. Oh. And so they did. So I ended up at U.S. Space Command, and it's been an amazing um, time to end my career in. And uh, um, it's what I tell any vet now. It's like, hey, this is your personal journey. Um, the amazing people from my enlisted days and my officer days, the people that have worked for me, the people that I've worked for, um, I just really want to thank each one of them. And it kind of leads us to today, right? And how we got together. Oh, well, sure. Sure. Uh, do you mind if I back up a little bit, sir? Sure. Can you tell me about, because uh, you you never even mentioned it. And I think it's a big, I mean, <laughs> something I always wanted to get to, uh, but your Lieutenant Colonel promotion. Oh, you know, how did that, uh, were you, were your first time go on that board and uh yeah how did how did all that go um you know and what year did you get promoted uh, i got promoted in 19 nice or right no i'm sorry i came out on the list uh gosh when i so i came out on the list i guess in 21 and i promoted in no golly no no now you got me thinking uh, i came out on 19 <laughs> Um, I ended my tour and a friend of mine, Carrie Amber, my first squadron commander, um, he had us be his presiding officers at his promotion or his retirement ceremony. So I'm a major at the time, yeah. had a line for five, one, the other guy was a major and then Stacy was already a Lieutenant Colonel. And so we, we went down to ACC and we, we retired him. Oh, so he's okay. Colonel ACCA six. Um, we retired Carrie and Right after he retired, I said, Carrie, I want you to be my promoting officer. This will be my last one. And uh, so all of us drove to Mississippi because my family had never seen me promote to any rank ever. Wow. So we did a family reunion and, and I'm from a large family. So the whole family got together. Uh, Carrie drove down and uh, promoted me in front of my family. Wow. There's a there's a point here, though, that you got to be careful of. And I think all of us have to. Um. Most of our parents don't know what we do or what we've done. And I might've gotten in trouble with my mom um, because Carrie starts reading stuff from my uh, Afghanistan days. And she came up to me at the end of that. She goes, you never told me about all that. And I said, yeah, oh, it would have done you any good. All you'd have done is worry. And then that would have been two of us that didn't get any sleep. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the Lieutenant Colonel was special for me um, because I got to do it in front of my family. That's awesome. And, uh, and so now, you know, retiring as a lieutenant colonel and um, doing that here in Colorado, um, yeah, it's pretty wild. I'm sure when you were trying to make the decision, especially about this last assignment, yeah. Um, but they they must have been coming and talking to you and say, hey, you know, you're going to have to take a squadron. You're going to have to take some squadron command, right? Because if you're going yeah, so to stay in, they want you to they want you to progress, right? Yeah, I had a I got a phone call from a from a guy I'd worked for very briefly by the name of Jim Hewitt um, and uh, Colonel Hewitt was outstanding leader. And he called me up and said, Hey, um, really want you to, to, to take this squadron, right? And are you interested? Um, and that squadron was in San Antonio. 
Um, and at this point I'm, I'm way North of 20 years. And so I'm, I'm doing what I do because I love what I do. I still love what I do. Uh, and I love the people that I do it with, but I love my family more. And, uh, I told, uh, I told Jim, I said, look, if it was working for you, I'd be down there in a heartbeat. Yeah. But Jim was about to swap out from a group commander. He was moving on to other things. And, uh, I just really didn't want to go back to San Antonio. Um, yeah. basic training was enough for me. Um, <laughs> San Antonio is an amazing place with amazing people and awesome, awesome mission, yeah. um, for the, for the jobs down there and uh, my hat's off to him. But at that point I made the decision. It was like, no, it's time for me. And, and, you know, I think all of us reach that point. I knew that I was still leaving things on the table. I had more to give. Um, and I was asked that question, don't, do you feel like you're leaving stuff on the table? And I said, absolutely. Sure. Um, but I look at my four children and I looked them in the face and it's like, it's time to be dad yeah. full time. You know, I, no distractions, no possibility of PCSing, no more, um, deployments, no more anything. Right. I need to focus on being a hundred percent there for my wife and for my children. And that does not look like, uh, continuing military service. Um, well, and at and that point, yeah. And at that point, you're not being fair to your right. family and you're not being fair to the air force either. That's you right. Know? That's so, exactly right. The airman that needs your full attention, yeah. your family that needs your full attention. You reach a point where you have to make that decision. And, and I told that to the air force and to my, to the senior leaders that were, had been so gracious and, and so incredible for me. Um, I cannot be all in anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. cannot. Yeah give the air force everything i've i've done that for a number of years more than two decades um it is time for me to step aside and let those who are able and willing to do that yeah. for the best needs of our airmen and for our mission set i will continue to serve in whatever capacity that i can um as a civilian as a retiree as a contractor whatever that may look like um it's time what advice would you give if your son comes and says, Hey, I want to, I want to go into the military. And you could tell, and you could tell it now because it could be a while. Yeah. He'll listen or to my daughters. Maybe won't. Or your daughters. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, your kids. I should have just said one of your kids. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But I'll ask him why, what, what is it that, that is attractive? And it's really not just about the air force. It's all the services. We've got five services to choose from. Yeah. Why are you considering the military? What, what is it that, that is compelling you to join? Is it college? That's okay. GI bills are wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've used the heck out of it and tuition assistance. And I've, you know, that's why I have the education that I do is because of the military. Yeah. Um, because I, I talk about what well, kind of br briefly spoke about it earlier. You're in a relationship. You're going to do things that you do not want to do that are, are awful. They, I mean, to, to use a kind of a, a crass term, it sucks. I mean, yeah, and you have to be willing to pay that, pay that price. And you're going to do things that you never thought you would do. You're going to achieve things um, that you never thought possible. You're going to go places that are not pleasant, potentially. Sometimes they are. Um, but like my brother, he, his first assignment was Mildred Hall, England. And then he kind of went to some um, less desirable places. Um, <laughs> and uh, he continues to serve in the reserve. But oh, I asked, he still? Yeah, yeah, he's a he uh, he did 14 years enlisted as a tech sergeant, yeah, and then uh, ended up going to law school and getting his degree, and now is a is a JAG officer in the reserves. Wow, wow, that's um, awesome. Yeah, and so 
you find yourself in this position, and I, I this same thing I would tell any any person considering the military. What are you willing to give? Hmm. You know, what are you looking for? Because you are in a relationship. Um, you know, youngsters, and, and you know, we got these great commercials that talk about you know the army's got a cool one now about being airborne. Oh yeah, and um, you know, every airborne soldier I've ever met was you know talking about how many jumps they had or if they were jump master. Yeah. And, uh, and really high speed, you know, cool stuff. Um, but what does your in-state look like? And, and it's, it's about a mentoring and I, I had the same conversation with anyone. So do I support the military and going in? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been a phenomenal life for me. And I think for you as well, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Give me everything I got, So yeah, it, we talk, well, yeah. And I mean, we talk about, you know, how so-and-so is great. Well, they were great before they came in the military. Maybe they were just a diamond in a rough, need some polish. And we got that through, yeah. you know, experiences and phenomenal supervisors, bad supervisors, bad commanders. Um, but it helped bring out those things of us that uh, perhaps were hidden gems and realize that we can do more than what we thought we could. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, sir. So I effectively dodged that question pretty well. I think. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends, right? For me, it was the only option I had. Uh, to to be successful, I needed to change, and you know my kids um, are way better kids than I was because the cops knew us, but the MPs knew us well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, the hospital knew us well. We were always in trouble with the cops or with the uh, with the MPs or uh, right. the medics, right? But um, yeah, the, the military is different now. Um, sure. and, I, and I'll say this for any I don't think any young person is going to want to listen to my old guy talk, but. I love working with the young 18, 20 year olds. Love it. People yeah. bag on that generation all the time. And it irritates me because you're looking at it from the old guy lens, right? We were talked to about the old guys and they were blasting us as being the youngsters and we didn't understand. And Absolutely. Whatever. Yeah. Same thing. Same. Thing. My young uh, Intel analysts and com troops and soldiers um, are the most amazing Americans that you'll ever meet. Yeah. And you just got to adjust your leadership style and how you talk to them. It's not about them adjusting to us. We have to adjust to them. And uh, and when you do that, stand out of the way because they're going to run you over. So they're, they're sharp, yeah. talented, uh, driven Americans that are looking to do the right things. And so now I'm like, I can't keep up with them. So like, what, what can I do to help you be successful? And that's where I'm going to have to resolve myself at this point. <laughs> Did we get it all, sir? Well, I, I'll say one more thing about coming full circle. Um, we talked about this crazy major that pushed me to be an officer. And through your podcast, um, I've been able to reconnect with him. And uh, in fact, I'll have a beer with him next week is the hope and kind of catch up. And, you know, we lost touch over the years. But talking about those moments in time where you take the you know brief period of your life and you give it to someone else to encourage them to support them ron did that for me and pushed me hard yeah um and was not going to not willing to take no for an answer and you know without him i don't know that i would have ever taken the leap of applying for a commission i needed that encouragement from him and the first officer my family um a fact that my dad reminds me of often um (laughs) you know as a retired nco and, and and my wife gives me crap too but to have those people that believe in you and to trust you and to, you know, all these years later, they've given me 
those same people have given me their sons and daughters to be, um, to care for them, um, lead them in combat, lead them in some important missions. And now it's time to pass the torch. And, and that goes back to uh, Ron Nieper. And, and so I'm incredibly grateful and thankful that crazy major pushed me all those years to go to, to, <laughs> to go down this path. <laughs> it is pretty amazing. Cause it, it, you know, somebody he just met, and it's like, why yeah. does this guy keep calling me? Jeez. Yeah, I was back. <laughs> wasn't a flyer. I wasn't, you know, anything. And and the journey and each of our journeys is different. And mine has been some some crazy lefts and rights. And, you know, uh, I think back at really most importantly about all the pe amazing people that have been a part of my journey and just want to thank them. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm blessed. My heart's full. Um, and thank you for doing this. It, yeah thank yeah, you i really appreciate it it's it's been a privilege to take your story and an honor to hit let you let you tell it to me sir i appreciate that thanks sir i appreciate that very much united states air force lieutenant colonel owen freeland thanks for your story sir appreciate it very much appreciate the time and good luck with your retirement <laughs> it should be fun it'll be my way it's gonna be a party celebration if you will very good thank you sir on behalf of Lieutenant Colonel Freeland, I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please leave a like and a comment and share the podcast with someone else. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more Service Origin Stories. So until next time, on your feet, this Mitch!